Hello and welcome to episode 473 of Berg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Jeremy, as always, is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? I'm going pretty well, Andrew Ferguson. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's, it's been a good week. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, because I haven't seen the Tigers lose this week. And we're not going to harp on about the Tigers. We've, no. we've been getting a bit of hate. Yeah. But we do. We will chat about them very, very briefly. Very it's only briefly. because there's something to celebrate. Yeah, there is. It's a day of celebration. In, well, it's a week of celebration in Tiger it's Town. It's a week, mate. It's almost two weeks of celebration. Mm. We're celebrating the uh, the one-year birthday of Luke Brooks's last win. It was a good win, too. It was. I mean, he kicked the match-winning field goal. It was against South, so that makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to just read out the stats for it, just for that game. Okay. 12 runs, 146 metres. He ran one metre more than Jackson Hastings. Mm-hmm. And six metres more from six runs less than David Nofaluma. That's amazing. Fancy your halfback getting more run metres than your fucking winger. And doing it with six runs less. And by the maybe end Luke that, Brooks should move to the wing. He'd be maybe, fine. Maybe. At the end of that year, though, David Norfolk was playing finals footy. I'm sure he tells everyone that. That's true. Um, um, so today, we're doing yeah. something amazing. Oh, yeah. We're going yeah. to go through every single team in the National Rugby League and talk about where they actually are at, because I know it's only early in the season, but it's pretty clear that some teams that were supposed to be good are not, and some teams that were not supposed to be good are not too bad. Yeah. Um, this is going to be, say, um, what are we, six, the, the 25% year review? Yeah. Yeah. A quarter of the way kind, through, why not? Kind, kind of-ish. Yeah. Because yeah. we'll, we'll do it after round six, should we? Nothing. Okay, let's just do it from now. It's getting too complicated already. I'm yeah, putting too many rules in place. Let's just do it, yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll go from where the ladder was before this round started because I don't have the updated one for now. Isn't it on the NRL website? I don't look at that website. Oh, I, I'm, I've got it up on, on my computer right now. It's inferior to my website. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, Andrew. <laughs> um. I'm, I'm, look, let's go either way. I don't mind either way. All right. I was going to start with the Broncos. I thought we were going from bottom to top. Oh, we're going to leave the good to the, we're going to leave the shit to the end, man. All right. All right. Go, go, go. No, I don't mind. No, no, no. You run, you run a fucking podcast here. You think it should be run, you bastard. <laughs> no, you know what? I chose my website. Let's let's go from the bottom up because that will be better. Um, okay. Plus, we can get um, we can get the West Tigers out of the way pretty quick. Okay. Um, you want to think you're a fucking host in this podcast, eh? Who's hosting? What the fuck. I'm waiting for a host to turn up. I'm just doing this shit as an interim. Just keep waiting for somebody to to walk yeah. in and say, "Hey, we know, we know. You can all go home now." You're like, "Oh, thank fuck for that." <laughs> um, okay, seventeenth West Tigers. The shit. Yeah, they're terrible. We thought they were going to be terrible. They are terrible. Um, yeah, I think that they're hitting the mark. There was a article on The Raw by Mike Mihal smith mm-hmm. talking about how the West Tigers are the NRL's most unluckiest team. And he went, on about, all, yeah, he went on about all the stats areas and how the Tigers are pretty much middle of the field and they're holding their own in all the stats metrics that matter 
for winning games. What about the scoreboard? Shh. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> unlucky. So they're the unluckiest team. Um, I was reading it going, that's the one thing, you know, is if you give stats to someone who doesn't know how to use them, mm. they'll construe them to make any argument they want. Mm. At the end of the day, the Tigers aren't unlucky. Their execution is atrocious. The only reason why a lot of their stats are good is because they are as good as most teams, especially the top eight sides, at getting out of their own their own end of the field and getting across halfway, which is, that's a good thing to be good at. But that's the only area where they're really strong at. Things like um, defensive reads, there's no stats on. You know, that's a big problem. Um, last tackle options. They are god-awful. God-awful. Yeah, they, they fucking suck, basically. There's no stat on that either. I just go, oh. Yeah. Because, you know, if you put up an absolute dog's breakfast of a kick yeah. and the opposition takes the catch comfortably, that's a completed set. That's a good stat you've just had there. But this, the set ended atrociously. So yeah. there's no point tracking that. That's stupid. And that's the problem you get with that. Um, they're not unlucky. They're shit. No. They suck. Yeah. yeah. Okay, who's right. next? We'll move on. Uh, Canberra. Two wins, four losses. Um yeah, you know what? I was I was not convinced of Canberra's ability to be competitive all until I watched them play against the Broncos. Was it last week? Mm-hmm. And they had no right to be as competitive as they were in that game. I think just what happened was the way the way you need to beat the Broncos is the way Canberra plays the game, and that is muscle up in the middle and restrict the game purely to one outs and just an absolute slugfest in the middle of the field. Um, and that's that's what they did in that game. And they smashed the Broncos forwards into submission. And then they also had their um, second rowers pretty much constantly hammering Adam Reynolds with pressure all the time. And he didn't, he didn't get to dominate with his kicking game like he had done all season so far. And it's simple game plan. And it got him the win. And you look at it and you go, eh, maybe the Raiders could do something. And then you see him play the next week and you go, eh. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing that needs to always be factored in with Canberra Raiders is that they're, they're a bunch of fucking pea hearts, you know? And when the going gets tough, the Raiders will get going, and not in a good way. <laughs> um, they will fold, they will disappear, they will whinge, they will cry. They'll feel hard done by. They'll sit in a corner and then they'll just shut the fuck up while the real teams are doing what needs to be done at the end of the season. Um, they're where they deserve to be on the ladder. And I hope that Ricky Stewart feels it every single day because that's what he deserves. I probably would have thought that they'd be a little higher. And I'm not talking about top eight. I'm talking like 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there. Can you imagine if the Canberra Raiders were as good as the Canberra Raiders think they are? Like, how many fucking times do you have to hear someone say, oh, I had that fucking Ryan Hudson? Like, what about him? Middle of the fucking road. It's almost like they had Tim Sheens as their PR guy. 
it really is. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, fucking, well, you know, we're going to, what's his name? The fucking 5'8 that never gets in trouble. It's always the police that are targeting him. He's like, we're going to let him talk to other clubs because it's the right thing to do. Oh, he wants 1.4 million. We better give him 1.4 million. It's like if you watched him play the last two years, guy's a fucking pedestrian. Yeah, look, I'm, I made a tweet during, was it was two weeks ago. No, it was actually against that Broncos game. Yeah, I remember now because I said it's amazing how how much improved the Raiders' attacking shape is when they've got two genuine halves in the side. Mm-hmm. And so if they're going to be in an attack, have any sort of tack that's worth anything, they need to move White into the centres. Simple as that, or fullback if they want to. But he's got to be out of the halves. They can't carry him there anymore. You watch. They'll pay him a million plus bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, they will. Because they're, Cause they're well, dumb. And if they don't, the Tigers will. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who's next? next? Next is the Cowboys, and uh, they've just had another loss tonight. They are disappointing, to say the very, very, very least. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I saw somebody saying how they're really poor in the attacking 20 metres and they're really poor defending their line. And I pointed out that in the middle of the field, they're the best team in the league. Um, It's weird because you watch them and they don't look bad, but their results are bad. Like they to lose to the Warriors. I know the Warriors are going much better this year, but they shouldn't have lost to the Warriors. And you look at the players that they've got on their side and they should be beating most teams and they're not. They're near the bottom of the ladder. Um, I mean, they, they had a one point win against Canberra in round one mm. and a you know, 24 to 12 win over the Titans. But they lost to the Bulldogs by a point. Um, they lost to the new Dolphins team by 10. Mind you, the Dolphins aren't doing as bad as a lot of people think, but still, you know, the, as you said, the Warriors game, I think the Warriors game and the Dolphins game and the Bulldogs game should have been games they penciled in as wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do that, God, they're sitting at, you know, five, six wins. And then they've lost to the Warriors again tonight. Yeah, and it's they're kind of performing how we expected them to perform last season, but they didn't. They had a great year last year, and so it's really disappointing to see that they've taken such a huge leap backwards. Um, I, I expected them and the Sharks to maybe take a step backwards just because they weren't going to, kind of surprise anyone this year but not not like what we've seen out of the the cowboys think, it is a problem for them now i think also the cowboys surprised more so than the sharks because yeah, the sharks definitely. have for the last decade they've been in around the finals anyway and the cowboys have sort of been yo-yoing a little bit and then the year or two prior to last season they were not being that competitive um, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they were just one of the top three teams in the comp. And now they're back down here again. You just, you just sort of scratch your head at them and go, "What, what the fuck?" Like we, we thought they'd be a lot more competitive than they are. Didn't think they'd be this far down the down the ladder. They've conceded 153 points, which is almost 22 points a game. Mm. That ain't that ain't good. They've that got a lot good. of. They've got a lot of international players, a lot of origin players. We've got, you know, they didn't lose too many players um, and they should be performing way better than they are. It's a real disappointment. Um, 
I, I, you know, they're only a couple of wins away from, like, or a couple of losses away from being like, we don't have to worry about the Cowboys this year. Yeah. And that's scary to be only this this far into the season and you're already at that point. Yeah, they've they've got a lot of work to do mm. um, to be contenders again. Same goes for our next team, 14th place, Parramatta. Yep. We, mm. I was going to say, we kind of had a feeling that they were going to drop off, but we didn't think they were going to drop out of the eight. This no. is a hell of a fall from grace. Yeah, when when I saw some people saying that they would not be a, a top eight side, and I thought that that was crazy, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think you and me both had them in the bottom half of the top eight. Yeah, we're around six or seven. Yeah, yeah. and But to watch them now, I mean, they, they're getting nothing out of dummy half whatsoever, which is kind of crazy. Um, Brown is just... He's carried over his World Cup form, which was just non-existent. Might as well have not been out on the field. Mitch Moses has been pretty damn good, I've got to say, which is... Uh, well, he does start season strong. That, that's, yeah, he does, yeah. That's, that's been a constant point. for him. Yeah, but, but their forwards have been very easy to go through. Yeah. Um, you know, their highlight of the whole season has been their win over the Panthers. But outside of that, it's just been terrible. And it's weird. I mean, like, they should be going a little better than they are. But I just, I don't see an easy run for them on the horizon. I don't see, you know, they've now got teams around them. Like, when they play the Cowboys next, that's a must-win game for both teams. When they play the Raiders next, that's a must-win game for both teams. Raiders will lose because they're P-Hearts. But there's a lot of teams that, that are now they're playing and it's must-win footy for them. And that's, once again, a terrible place to be in for a team like this who probably were thinking, well, you know, we lost the grand final, but surely we'll be a decent team next year and we'll maybe have another shot at it. Um, I wonder how much, I wonder, like, obviously they lost players and they lost some key players too. Mm. It shouldn't have accounted for this fall. And it makes me wonder if what we saw happen to them in the grand final maybe accounts for some of it. I don't know. Because that wasn't just a, that wasn't just a grand final loss. That was, that was different. Yeah. I will look, in their defence, not much in their defence, but they've probably had the, toughest run to start a year because only I think all of their opponents other than the Tigers last week were teams that were in the top eight last year. Yeah. So they lost to Melbourne, then they lost to Cronulla. They lost to Manly. I can't remember if Manly in the finals or not last year. Beat Penrith by one. They lost to the Roosters. So it's not like they've had a, yeah, this golden easy run. But at the same time, three of those first five games were all at Combank Stadium. Yeah. Um, and their defence, other than against Melbourne and Penrith, their defence has been, let's be honest, dog shit. Yeah, really, really bad. And, like, to the point where you're like, yeah, they just can't do that. And, and if look, if they, they think they can turn up just against the best sides and get it done, I, I don't think this season's like that. I think this season's actually turning into a really special season. Um, it's very unpredictable, and and a lot of the sides very close from top to to the bottom of the ladder. 
So I, I don't think that, and they're just, the thing about Parramatta is to win the title, they had to be at their absolute best. And But if there were other teams that were at their absolute best, they were going to beat Parramatta. They kind of had to play other teams that were maybe not quite at their best, right? Yeah, yeah. Parramatta Eels right now are not near their best. And, it, like, I just think that they've fallen straight back into the pack. And the thing that worries me is that they just look to me right now to be a team that's uh, they've they've lost something, and I don't know what it is. It's, it's it's not the loss of the plays that they, you know, went to other clubs. It's something else. I think I'm. This is my view. I reckon what's happened is the loss of uh, Reed Money. He was a very different type of hooker mm-hmm. to Josh Hodgson. Okay, um, Hodgson is um. Probably a lot more one-dimensional. He's not. He's not a one-dimensional hooker, but compared to Reed Money, he is. Money offers a lot more options, kicking game-wise, um, playmaking-wise, passing game-wise. Um, he's also faster, I think, off his feet. So when it comes to going for a scoot from dummy half, it's a lot more effective. Um, Hodgson is able to get his forwards organised better in attack. And that just comes through experience. They haven't done it a fair bit longer. That's usually what happens with most hookers. But I think what's happened is too much of the gameplay that the Eels go with started with Moni, and he's not there now. And Hodgson's got a completely different skill set. And the game plan hasn't changed to incorporate his style. And so the start of the set and the actual go-forward movement thing is sort of still just clunky and not quite in sync and the momentum's just not there at the start of every set. And it's hard. It's hard to get going, especially when, this is not a joke, but especially when you've got a fullback who isn't one who's prominent with kick returns. Yeah. Right? If if you're not getting that go forward from your forwards, you need your fullbacks and your wingers to be making big metres with the kick returns to try and get them moving and get, you know, you want to have your the opposition constantly going backwards. You don't want them... To get a chance to come forwards and meet you, you know, you you got to keep that momentum. When that's how you make meters, and they're not getting that. It's all very stop start the way they play, and everything just looks slow. And that's that's not good. When when it looks slow when you're watching on TV, it's because there's too many people not moving, and, and there's no momentum there. And so the defense just rushes up and shuts it down every time. And that's what that's where they're struggling. Yeah, yeah, it's a. It... <clears throat> You know, and, and the forward pack really used to make a lot of meters off the back of Reed Marnie and what he was doing, and you know the uncertainty he'd cause around the ruck. And now with Hodgson in there, and I think everyone knows what I've thought of Hodgson for forever as a player. I don't need to go into it. Yeah. But I think with him in there, it's just he's acting like a handbrake on everything good that they used to do. That's why it was such a weird decision to sign him. Um, he was just not the sort of player they needed. And no, that's right. I, I just don't know how they work around his game plan with the forwards that they have who need to – sometimes the thing about the Parramatta Eels is they can't get on that role themselves as a forward pack. They need it to come out of dummy half. Um, and now that that is not going to happen this year, 
they really need to step up. So it's going to be tough for them to get themselves out of this hole that they're in right now. Yeah. And and we're going to find out a lot of yeah. players, you know. I mean, they locked these guys in. They locked them all in. They said, we know what we've got. We're very happy with it. Everyone gets a long-term deal. And now they're sitting down at the wrong end of the ladder. And uh, it feels very paramount. Well, the thing is, the draw does get easier for them. So they've got the Bulldogs um, tomorrow. I'm not saying the Bulldogs are easy, but they, they're around the same level. The Broncos the week after that, and then it's Knights, Titans, Canberra in a row. Souths, Cowboys, then they've got the bye, then Bulldogs, Manly, Dolphins, and the bye. Warriors, Gold Coast, Cowboys. It stays... All of those games are well within their ability, even in their poor form, of them being competitive and picking up several wins in there. But how many... In, this year, right, just this year alone, how many easy beats do you feel like there are in the NRL? Like, how many teams can you look at and say, we're coming up against these guys, Pfft, easy. One. I agree. Yeah. I agree completely. But uh, I, I think... I think we saw that tonight with the Knights, you know? Yeah. The Knights aren't the greatest footy team in the world. But damn, they, they can put together a performance that makes you have to play your ass off. Doesn't what, matter what, who you are. What we saw tonight, though, was the Knights at their best still cannot beat Penrith at their worst. True, but and still. That's, like, that's the golf. That's true, right? And Panthers were not good. But at the same time, like, a few things go their way, and I know that's every football game, but it, it and the refereeing was terrible for both teams. Man, it was bad. But they made Penrith have to push, and they went to Golden Point, Penrith, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a set of six that's as clinical as Penrith put together in that gold point. That was crazy. Um, but still, they made probably the best team in the league, it's fair to say, play right until the last second. And, and that's what I mean. Like, there's there's really only one team that you look at now where you're like, like even the Gold Coast Titans, you look through their side, and like, man, they've got origin players and internationals right through this team. Um, the Bulldogs... You know, they've got some really good players in that team now. I'm not saying they're a great team or anything, but I just think there's very... Look, the the bloody Dragons, who we said were going to be the worst team, they've got less talent than everyone else, and somehow they're not too bad. Like, it's a weird season, it, and it's a classic season. It's been very good. That's right. Um, team you just mentioned is next, the Bulldogs. They've got three wins, three losses. Um, their attack hasn't been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only a little bit better than Canberra and the Tigers, to be honest. It's down that end of the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're hanging in there. They got a one-point win over the Cowboys, a two-point loss to the Warriors, beat the Tigers by four, beat Melbourne by 14. That that four-week period, they they turned around because they started the year with a like 31-6 loss to Manly, and you go, uh. Mm-hmm. And then they had those four solid weeks, picked up three wins, and you go, ah, this is the Bulldogs team we've been waiting to see. And then South put 50 on them, and you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, and they, they, look, they, they've got a few players that are missing in their forward pack, Kikau being the one who's probably not going to play too many games this season, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. So there is a little bit of, of 
that that you've got to attach to their performances so far. Burton is Burton is still he's gone he's stepped forward as a player as a as a playmaker, but he's in between that he's in that moment of his career where it's like still learning, and oh my god, he just changed the entire game with something amazing he did, you know, and and as he keeps get, getting better as a player those learning moments that he has where maybe he kicks a ball dead, you know, too far in the end goal or he puts up a bomb and it just is, doesn't really do anything, doesn't get any sort of, you know, puts no pressure on or anything like that. They are going to become less and less of part of his game as he gets, you know, more experience, which is what always happens. Um, do you want a I hot like, take? Mm-hmm, go on. <laughs> I know you love a hot take. I fucking hate the term hot take, but go on. <laughs> Have you done a deep dive? No, no, no. There's no deep dive in this. It's just a, a hot take just coming to my head then as you are mentioning Bat Burton. I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Is there much difference at the times of their career and their age between Matt Burton and Matt Moylan? Oh, I, I think there's massive amounts. Do you think they're about the same? I think they do. I think the, uh, the, the freakish raw ability yeah. that just comes out every now and then and just you know, it'll be like a ten or fifteen minute blitz that just, just destroys the team. Mm-hmm. That's enough to get to get a win. He's there for both of them. Mm-hmm. But some of the basic fundamentals that just get forgotten or are done wrong that creep into both their games. You go, Oh geez, I wish he didn't do that. I, I look I can see the I can see where you're coming from. But I, I feel like Obviously, Burton's a bigger dude. Like he's a he's a very big yeah. dude, right? So I think that he's he's got that. Um, whereas Moylan had to use his footwork a little bit, and he he had that weird whatever it is you can't actually put into work. Like Lockyer had it too, and that's why sometimes you'd look at him and say that feels like a Lockyer thing, you know, where he just sort of gets through the line, and you're like, well, he's not faster than everyone. How the fuck did he do that? You know, yeah. Uh, whereas Burton is more like he he's more built like what Fitler was when he was younger, and he's a big dude. He can probably get through the line just on his size alone. Yeah. Um, but I I I I think Matt Burton's a far. I think Matt Burton now is right now is better than Matt Bo- Matt Moylan has ever been at any decent point in his career. But I probably rate Matt Moylan lower than a lot of other people I, i'm not a big fan of matt moylan i think i've talked about this <laughs> yeah yes okay it's nothing to do with him as a person it's just man that fucking day he was out there in that finals game he wasn't playing in fuck him <laughs> <laughs> okay next on the list is the dragons two wins three losses a bye um defense Defensively, they haven't been as bad as I thought, and that's weird considering they did have back-to-back weeks where they considered 40. Mm-hmm. But aside from those, um, 32-18 to 18 win against the Titans, 38-12 to 12 win against the Dolphins, and then they lost 20-18 to 18 against the Titans last week. Um, defensively, they haven't been too bad outside those two bad games. And look, they're not, they're not a genuine finals contender. No. Um, so you're going to expect them to have a few days where they just 
drop their fucking bundle and get spanked. Yeah. But they turned it around subtly. Like after after losing forty to eighteen against the Broncos and forty to eight against the Sharks the week after, coming up against the Dolphins side that have been, I think at that time, had only lost one game or they might have still been undefeated. I can't remember. They were doing that well though. It was expected that the Dolphins are going to put forty on them as well, and then the Dragons come out and smashed them. And you go, okay, they've got that bounce back ability in them, and so that's the unpredictability and inconsistency that you get out of a team that's constantly hanging around that nine to twelve spot on the ladder, and um, they're doing far better than I think a lot of people would have thought they would be. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, without question, the least talented squad in the NRL. Um, I think that for most teams, if you said, what talent would you take out of the Dragons if you could get it, they would maybe maybe list three or four players. Like, that's what we're talking about here. Mm. And the fact that Anthony Griffin has has them on the ladder where they are, I mean, Obviously, they're looking to extend his contract, right? I mean, the coach is not the problem here, right? Well, I mean, uh, I suppose that leads into a brief segue. Oh, what would that be? Apparently, they're looking for a new coach at the Dragons. No, well... I saw a thing today about some of the the contenders, and one of them was Des Hasler. Mm. I forgot who the... There was another one there. Yeah, I tell you who the other two are. Well... One one we both know of. I was trying to keep that one a secret. Well, one of them's Jason Riles. <laughs> Jason Riles. Yeah, Jason Riles. Because any time you can get a guy that just fucking stares into nothingness next to Craig Bellamy, he must be a good coach, right? That's right. Oh. Um, God, there was someone else there. I can't remember now. What was his but yeah. name? But yeah, the other one, the most prominent one. I can't remember if I mentioned on the podcast before or not, jokingly. But Nathan Brown. Nathan Brown to coach the Dragons. What a bunch of fucking idiots, eh? What a bunch of fucking idiots. This is a guy who has been involved in two different clubs that he took to historic levels of fucking embarrassing losses. Like, that that takes talent to have some of the worst losses in a hundred plus years of rugby league at two different clubs. And he did it. It's the same fucking guy that put together a review of the Parramatta Eels last year that said nepotism's a problem at this club. And they went on to the grand final. What a fucking moron. <laughs> I wonder if they put through his changes for this season. Hence why they are where they are. Imagine if they did. Imagine if they said we listened to everything he said. <laughs> um, I, I I saw that Dragons fans were just furious when they saw yeah. the names have been linked to. I mean, even Des Hasler. Did anyone stop and see what he did at the fucking Bulldogs? Yeah, it's. Sometimes you're gonna realize, you know what? We actually do have a coach right now. He's getting out of that side far more than what they should be getting out of him. Yeah. Um, and I, I genuinely don't know how he does it. No. That's got me stumped. But to be thinking about getting rid of him is absurd at this point in time. 
Okay. I don't think Griff, Griffin's going to get you to any sort of great glory, but he is going to get more out of your squad than you expect. So you keep him there until you've got a good squad that you think can challenge for a title. Then you get a coach you can take on that next step. I don't think Griffin will get them to that next step to be contenders, but he's going to get more out of his squad than any other coach will. And so that's a good place to be in when you're rebuilding your squad, which the Dragons, I assume, are trying to do. The only reason why you bring in Nathan Brown is for a clean-out. And we've seen how good he is at doing that. Like, he comes in, and he does a clean-out that is so thorough that you end up being in fucking purgatory for the next eight years. (laughs) He's he's good for a clean-out. He really is. He's like the sort of person that is like a doctor, and he's like, listen... I'm going to go in and take out the cancer. And you wake up and you've got no fucking organs. And he's like, I, I told you the cancer won't be there. It's like all my fucking organs are on the table over there, you fucking dickhead. Yeah. Can I have some of those back? And go, well, no, because some might have the cancer. Yeah, exactly. We can't take any risks here. But- and that's not even taking into account the, the dumb shit he does. Like, remember what he said about, like, his, his little quip that he said about Wayne Bennett? It's like yeah. fucking idiot. And then when he leaves the the New Zealand Warriors, he, he blames his daughter. <laughs> and, and it's just these dumb things like that. Like they really think that he's the guy to lead the club. What the yeah. fuck are they thinking? I, I don't know. This is a privately the, owned club too. That's the thing that gets me. I can see where a board is dumb, you know. I can see where a CEO is dumb. But if somebody there is writing checks... And if it was me that was writing checks and I'm looking, there's no fucking juniors coming through, okay? Whenever somebody's up to be recruited, we're never talked about as a destination. There's somebody in that football department that's saying, look, our, our coach that is getting more out of these guys than they should be getting, we need to get rid of him and bring back my old mate. Like, I would sack fucking everyone. Except for one player. Ben Hunt. No, 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 no. Who? They're most talked about player no. in the media. The media's darling. The media's darling. He's done no wrong. It's according crazy. To anyway. According to them, anyway. Yeah. Apparently, he wants to play Origin. We're not going to mention who it is. Fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. It, yeah. yeah. I just can't believe it. The media keeps going back, trying to do the redemption story, and it's like... <laughs> You fucking people are, are insane. Yeah, they, they're going back to the well. The problem is they think a sand pit is a well. There's no yeah. water in that fucker. It's dry. It's no not a well. It's the septic tank, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's dehydrated shit that's in there. There's no moisture in that shit. You're not wringing it out and getting a few drops. There's nothing in there. Oh, man. Uh, it's almost become a, a yearly occurrence. It's fucking sick. It really is. It's I, I don't. I, don't, I mean, just, we, we can't be surprised. Remember they were, they were trying to talk about how how good it was that Craig Field wanted to help help kids out. You know, no, Craig, that's not good. Fuck I, that guy. I know, right? You know the crazy thing was he talked to kids at Manly. That happened. <laughs> this is like it's there's there are people in rugby league. I don't know what it is, but they 
they get excited over somebody that's been in the news for whatever reason it is, whether it's the right reasons or the wrong reasons, right? And they get super, super, super excited about it. And so it's like, like you look like, look at, say, a Joseph Suwali, who's not done nothing wrong off the field. That, let's not make any mistake there. But he's going to go to rugby union in a couple of years' time. Well, that just fucking excited all of the media types. They just wanted to talk about him nonstop at that point. And any time he gets the ball, they're like, oh, fucking Joseph Sawali, fucking no, fuck, fuck, fuck. And it's like, it's very weird to me. You watch them all push for him to be in the Origin team, you know. I think I heard someone mention him as being the greatest player in the game at the moment. Really? A a, uh, commentator. Might have been on Channel 9 or something like that. Fucking nuts. Wouldn't shock me. It's like Sonny Bill Williams. Where they, remember they used to say, Sonny Bill Williams is maybe the best player in the history of the game. It's like, you are <coughs> fucking insane. You are a he, fucking insane person. I like Sonny Bill Williams. Good player. He's not in that conversation, though. He's not even in the top thousand best players that have ever played the game. I, I'm not, not even, even thinking about him. He's not even in the conversation for the greatest player from New Zealand. The greatest player that's played for the Bulldogs since fucking 1995. I'd narrow down say since they got done for Salary Cup breaches. Yeah, yeah, let's go for that. Yeah, <laughs> let's go from there. <laughs> He's not the best NRL player that's been called Sonny. <laughs> or Bill. <laughs> and he's not even in the top 100, Williams. No, I mean, there's still George, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Hey, George does a lot of credit because, you know, cutting around that fucking hoggy that whole time. Exactly. Damn. You know, the other one that, that I know you and me got was when, uh, I think it was when Brett Morris retired and, and there were people that started going, oh, Brett Morris, probably the best winger of all time. And it's like, what? <laughs> you go... Calm down. And look, we, we are getting a little sidetracked, but to be honest, this is why we don't, we shouldn't be going around making decisions on who should be the next immortal mm-hmm. and having that conversation around which newly retired player can we make an immortal? Remember, remember what was that after the Roosters won their second premiership? Cooper Cronk should have been immortal. Mm-hmm. No one's saying that now. No. Nah. Right? Recency bias completely blinds people from, like, facts. It's stupid. Yeah, it's very, very strange. It's like when uh, when Penrith won their title last year and people started putting together their best Panthers teams. <laughs> and they were like, and I was looking at some of those best Panthers teams. And look, I love Nathan Cleary. Right? I, f- I fucking love Nathan Cleary. But to put him ahead of Greg Alexander, and Greg Alexander, to his credit, would say, yeah, he's better than me. He's won two premierships. I only won one. Greg Alexander was a, a much higher level of footballer than Nathan Cleary is. And, and let's be clear, okay? Alexander won one premiership and lost one illegitimate premiership because Canberra over the salary cap in 1990. Yes. And, and the thing to remember about Greg Alexander is that there are still people that say he's the best junior footballer they ever saw. Oh, which absolutely. Is, some high praise and for the most part he played in some terrible Panthers teams um if I had to pick one play between Nathan Cleary and Greg Alexander on a team to 
play the aliens. I would pick Greg Alexander, and that's nothing against Nathan Cleary. But no, Alexander was one of those few people who could play. You were talking eighties and early nineties here. He could mm-hmm. play at fullback or in the halves and be the best fullback or the mm-hmm. best halfback in the game mm-hmm. in exactly the same season. Mm-hmm. And I've only seen Darren Lockyer, you know, being anywhere close to him. And I think Lockyer was better, but um, there's fucking little in it. I mean, I loved, I loved Alexander as a kid. Yeah. And look, favorite players. Yeah. And it's like Darren Lockyer, <laughs> like, Darren yeah. Lockyer is maybe Darren Lockyer is definitely one of the twenty best players of all time. Yeah, that's the level we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to think too. Alexander was competing with you know Wally Lewis, mm-hmm. Gary Jack, Gary Belcher, some of the best fullbacks and halves in the game at the time. Ricky mm-hmm. Stewart, Laurie Daly, Alan Langer. He still played Test football. Mm. Still played Origin. Yeah, they I got guess, him in that side. Yeah, Peter Sterling, Breck. Kenny, Terry Lamb, all these guys played test footy. Fucking and Steve I Mortimer. You, I tell you the thing about most of those guys compared to Alexander is that most of those guys had a career playing in winning football teams with, with or like, just, like, you think of all those players you just named, like the Canterbury, Parramatta, the Raiders, you know, the Broncos. Yep. The Panthers only had a few good years. Yeah. And, you know, so he's playing in a side where, for the most part, they're losing football games, especially when he started his career. You know, the the Panthers were still on the back end of probably the worst start to being in a premiership any team has ever had in the history of the game. And uh, he was a big reason for the turnaround. Yeah. Um, so just uh, it, the, the guy is a god in the Penrith region. And, uh, yeah. Fuck recency bias, people. Come on, you've got to think with your hat on. And look, to be honest, we're not having any more immortals. We shouldn't be having any more any more immortals that played in the NRL era until Duncan Thompson's in there. Yeah, 100%. Is there anybody oh. right now that you can think of that you would be like, they're in, they're in a, dis- they're not in the discussion of the greatest at their position, but they're in the realm. They're in the... They're in the same hemisphere of like maybe when they retire, by the time they retire, we'll be like, oh yeah, we could talk about this guy. As in, like, currently playing this year. Yes. Because uh, oh. I've got two off the top of my head. I'm I'm only thinking of two, and neither of them are Latrell Mitchell. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't thinking yeah. of Latrell Mitchell yet. Tormalolo and Tedesco. Tedesco. So I was thinking Tormalolo and Addo Carr. Yeah, it's wingers are tough. Wingers are very tough. I mean, we don't even have Ken Irvine as an immortal. Which is, to me, is crazy. It is fucking crazy. Um, yeah, Tedesco, he's going to have a career record that's... Um, up there with the best. And he's had to change a lot of parts of his game to be able to keep playing the way he's... I mean, he's had to change the way he runs mm-hmm. twice. The injuries he's had, um, changed clubs and got, you know, was the main part for the Roosters' success. No doubt about that. Yeah. Um, a huge part for New South Wales' resurgence after that dominance that Queensland had. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I know this is going to sound weird for a guy who gets a lot of high praise. I don't think a lot of people um, fully appreciate just how fucking amazing Tedesco is. Yeah, and he, look, he's int- the thing is that I'm looking at him right now as a player is he is coming into a different point of his career now where I I was talking to somebody about this tonight, actually. He hasn't lost a step, but he's not as sharp as he was. No. Now, now I think some of that has to do with the team he's playing behind isn't as good, right? Yep. But he's just on age alone. He is going to get to the point where he's, he'll lose a step, and he's going to have to modify his game a little bit. And I think he's definitely got the ability to do that, especially I think if he comes up into the line a bit more and is more of a playmaker rather than what he does right now is he runs into the line, kind of like Billy Slater used to do, and then he playmakes off the back of, you know, the the defensive line is just horrified because they're having to deal with his speed and his footwork and the extra man that he's created, you know. Yeah. Um. So I, he, but he's coming into that point, and it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles it because you see with a lot of great players, some of them handle that transition well and some of them don't, and they just go downhill really quickly. And some of them take longer to get through it than others. I remember Brad Fittler took a little while to get through that part of his career. Andrew Johns did. Um, Benji Marshall really took some time to get through that. And look, Benji Marshall come out the other side of it as a master of the game, Um, as did Johns and, and Fittler, obviously. I mean... I feel like Brad Fittler could probably put on boots right now and still steer a team around a football football field. But uh, for somebody that relies so much on their physical ability and and their explosiveness, and that's why I kind of look at a Benji Marshall for him, once that does start to not go away, but once it does start to just fade a little bit, how he reacts to that is going to be really interesting to see. One of the things I like, it's like seeing when a young guy starts getting it when it all starts falling into place. You know, Ilias this year where you watch him and it's like, ooh, he's he's all them lessons that you saw him go through last year. He's applying them. This is the best. I like watching that and I like seeing when the, the great players get to that point in their career where it's not just about their physical ability. They master the game completely. It's yeah. like, oh, now he's a Jedi, you know. That's right. Oh, look, I think... I think Tedesco is capable of that change because when he first came into the NRL, he was, I'd say, very similar to the way Valentine Holmes used to play at fullback, and that is ridiculously hard and fast kick returns. That's all he had. And then he's developed into being quite a handle, quite a handy ball player in his own right. There's not too much of a dissimilarity between the development skill-wise between him and Billy Slater. Slater was very similar, very mm. fast. Not so much mm. strong kick returns, but very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, good step, good, unbelievable swerve. The only person I've seen have a, a, a swerve to get around a player just with pure speed better than what Billy Slater did was Steve Rogers. But Steve Rogers didn't even look like he was running hard, and then all of a sudden mm. he just got around someone and he's gone. You're like, the fuck did that come from? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of anyone else that's been um, like that. Matt Rogers as well was obviously the same, but there's not too many have that many swerve in them. Yeah. Um, Lockyer had it. 
Lockyer Lockie was weird though. Lockyer always looked Lockyer looked like he wasn't running at full pace, but he was always outpacing everyone. Yeah, he had a really weird sort of running style that just he just was gliding. You That's know? right. Um, so it's it's that sort of thing. I think you'll be able to adapt. That's not going to be a problem. Um, it will be interesting to see though. But yeah, yeah. Tom Lolo is the other one. He's, yeah, it's. Tom yeah, it's like, well, I've, I'd made my my controversial call. What was it, last year? I think it was last year where I said it. About Tom Which There's been a lot of calls about Tom Which one are we talking about here? He's the best lock forward of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know it's controversial, but I'll, I'll, I'll say why. I'll back it up. That's fine. That's fine. You, you just completely disagree. <laughs> um, because I'm, as I said before, I I don't like recency bias, so I would yep. like to wait about five to ten years after he's retired before I make that judgment. That, that's totally fine. I get that. Um, I still think Billy Slater should be in the conversation with, with Cameron Smith before anybody. I suppose, you know, and Darren Lockyer. Those three would be the first three, probably Thurston as well. For, in terms of being post, an immortal? Of the, yeah, of the NRL era. And I'm not talking to be the next ones in. I'm talking yeah. about 10 years' time or something. Like, I still want to simmer on those for a while and, fucking, and figure out whether I want to put them in or not. But those would be the only four. You've got to be in that that level of capability, I think, hmm. to be in that conversation. I, th- um, I think that... Um... I mean, Cameron Smith, it's just, it's really easy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's a given. That one's going to happen. Yeah, that's a that's probably one of the easiest ones ever. Yeah. Um, but going back, I mean, you've got to look at putting, uh, as I said, like Duncan Thompson has to be in there. Ken yes. Irvine's got to be in there. Yes. Um, you know, you don't need to have a whole heap from, from way back when, as much as I'd like to. But... Um, you, you know, you can have, I think sometimes the immortal thing is based purely on what they did on the field. And mm. I'm not sure that that is always entirely um, this soul metric we should be going on. Because mm-hmm. I think you get some people like Dally Messenger, and I know he's an immortal now, but he should have been in there first because of just how important he was to the start of the game. Yes. And then you also got someone like Chris McKivitt, who came along just at the time when game the game was at this point where it could have died after two seasons. It it, it, it had just lost a bit of momentum. Yeah, and then it he was almost dead, and he come yeah. along and got it going again. Yeah. Um, there's a few players just around the way who were really important, also important off the field as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know, Ken Arthurson didn't have a great career. Uh, on the field because of injury, but uh, can't deny how important he was to the the cleaning up of the game and the growth of the game through the eighties and nineties. And and a lot of the people that pretend they were they were visionaries back then, they were like, oh, we were talking about this stuff. No, no, no. He was talking about that stuff twenty years before you were talking about that stuff, and he only talked about that stuff because he'd been talking about it. Yeah, you know, a real visionary. That's right. John Quayle's another. Yep. Um, and so I'd like to see those people get more into that conversation. Um, Wayne Bennett did play for Australia. Mm-hmm. 
um, should definitely be in the conversation as well. You can't argue with his coaching record. It's yep. phenomenal. Yep. Phenomenal. So the immortal concept needs to be expanded a little bit further. I'd also like to look at people like uh, Keith Holman, who was, you know, one of our most capped halfbacks for a long time. Mm-hmm. Also became a, a coach and a referee. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just not an also ran referee. He refereed at the the New South Wales Rugby League level. I think he might have even done a few rep games and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. He was a top level ref. So you know, there's a lot of different people you can look at in there to have them involved in the immortal thing. It can't just be people who were really good in the last ten years because I think that's the problem we've got with the current media. Don't talk about what they've recently seen because you know they're idiots and they've forgotten what happened before the NRL started in '98. Yeah, and I, like I know you and me just fucking hate that whole NRL era shit. Like <laughs> the NRL is not an era. We've <laughs> talked about what the eras are, and the NRL is not one of them. It's part of an era. Yeah, exactly. What were we doing? <laughs> <laughs> we were looking at the teams this year. So we with the only, Dragons? Only you, could, only you and me could go like, go from being like, so what about the Dragons this year? And all of a sudden we're like, oh, yeah, Chris McKivitt. Yeah. He should be an immortal. Uh, <laughs> at 11th, we've got the Knights. Three wins, a draw, and three losses. Um, attack, they've scored 151 points, which puts them in the top half of the best attacking teams. Defensively, though, they've also conceded a shit ton. At 50, 154, only three points more than what they've scored. Um, that's never good for a team that wants to be in the finals. If they're conceding a, a, as many points as they're scoring, and it's a lot both ways. There's yeah. a problem there with the defense in the middle and consistency. Yeah, the consistency is is horrifying at times. Um, coming off of the back of a very close, a gold point loss to the Panthers, um, where they really took to Penrith early on. So, like, I mean, I think it's fair to say this is a pretty good point to be talking about the the Knights. But I I had people saying to me about the Knights today, like, yeah, we know that they're going good right now, but they're going to fall off. You watch, you watch, you watch. And they did. Um, they they feel like a bits and pieces team still, and they still feel like a club that values probably the wrong players a little bit too much. And so they're not going to be willing to move those players on. Um, you know, I it's probably harsh to say, but I feel like if Jackson Hastings is your halfback, you're probably not a contender. He He's a level of player that will do a job for you, and he'll do it good, but he's not the sort of guy that is going to be on a finals team unless he's got some fucking good players around him. And, and for yeah, him to – and he is, their, he is their leader. Without question on the field, he's their leader. So, Well, he I, is at I, the moment because the, I think one of the issues they've got there is they have, they have gone and built themselves a big forward pack. Um, so big as in straight running. There's not a great deal of amount of uh, second-phase play that comes out of them. Mm-hmm. So the plan all along there, it seems, from – from what's his face, Adam O'Brien, the old chair assaulter, um, <laughs> is we're just going to bash teams through the middle mm. every set. 
and then kick to a corner or something like that. So what they really need is a good hooker who can do all of that. And they've got him. Problem is, he's just done his ACL for the second time. Oh, and he's such a good player too. And it hurts them more than anything when he's not there because mm. he is a genuine leader, and that's Jaden Braley. Mm. Um, the poor bugger just cannot take a break. He's amazing. Um, he's a, an amazing player. And he's it's it's hurt him so much. Mm. But in saying that, you should have backup plans and you should have more than one style of play that you can do. Yeah. Uh, that's their problem at the moment. So... Um, and it, you know what is crazy is their crowds are fantastic. Oh, the the, the Knights fans are phenomenal. I'm, yeah, I could. You can never ever criticise a Knights fan for not having any passion or support for their club. They turn up no matter what. Remember when they went through that season with just one win and one draw? They're yeah. still getting like fifteen thousand to a game. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's uh, and like in that game against the Panthers, their crowd was going. Off, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, really unique crowd in Australian sport, like a, a unique supporter base, I should say, in Australia sport. In that, like they're there no matter what. Um, I, I think the Knights are are about where they should be. I can't see them moving up too far from there. Injuries are hitting them, so that's going to hurt them. Um, yeah, depth of door is going to be a bit of an issue. You know, the thing that got me. I don't know if it sucks to say this. But Lockie Miller, when they when they got him and they were really pumped about getting him and all I could think of was like a, a, a first – he's not a first-grade fullback. He's a, he's pretty handy to bring in when you've got a bunch of injuries, you know? Yeah. But he's not a first-grade fullback. Yeah, look, I – I don't know. I – yeah. See, he only had a, a limited run at the Sharks. Yeah. The problem they've got with him is he turns 30 next year. So he's not a young guy. No. Um. So what you're getting out of him now is the peak of him. That's, that's your problem. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. The... The one player that surprises me at the moment in the NRL, and they're in for another club, but mm. the club doesn't know what to do with him, is Jaden Campbell. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why don't the Knights sign him? I feel, you know, I, if he ended up at the right club, could you imagine him playing fullback for the uh, Paramount Eels? Oh, that'd be brilliant. It's just a wrinkle he would add to their attack. The weird thing is how strong he is for how slight he is, and he's going to fill out. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I just, agree. They're like, they've got him there at the Gold Coast, and it's like we know he's a good footy player, and we need to have him in the side. But it's like they, they're hesitant to commit to him as the fullback for some no, reason. They're, they're talking about, oh, when when their current fullback comes back, what are they going to do with him? They're going you know, send him to fucking Burley. I don't care. <laughs> Jaden Campbell, is, he is so damn good. And it surprises me that no one at the Titans can see it. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. But there's so many players at that Titans club where you look at and you're like, like, why is he still in? Like, why is Kelly still inside? I don't get that. 
And then, like, they they have a chance to get away from Fafita's contract instead of driving him to the airport. They re-sign him, and then they trumpet it. Like, we kept him, everyone. It's like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> Everyone's like, hooray. Not because they're cheering for the Titans, though. <laughs> yeah. So weird. Like, it all, is a weird one. I tell you what, when they re-signed him, the fucking all-you-can-eat buffet places on the Strip and the Gold Coast just rejoiced. Yes. They were. Well, they are our next team. The Titans are 10th. Um, their defense, just, they've considered mm. more points than the Tigers this year, only by one. That's Which is crazy. Mm. That That's bad. And they've played as many games. That's the thing. They've played as many games as the Tigers and considered one point more. Actually, well, that was before tonight. So it's it's now got worse. Yeah, look there, lots of heaps of talent, a, a, a few players in there that shouldn't be there. They need a new coach. They they've signed a hooker from the Leeds Rhinos. Have you heard about this? Oh, did he play tonight? Did he? I don't know if he played tonight. I'd I'd never heard of him. Hey. I just feel as though when your recruitment... Was it Cruz Leeming? I think it might have been, yeah. Yeah, he played tonight. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah, that, yeah, it's him. Uh, good luck to him, right? He went straight to the side. What the fuck? What the fuck? Look, they, they don't actually have, though, a starting hooker. I think Aaron Clark was their number one hooker, and he's a he's one of those blokes who can play... Hooker and plays a middle forward as well. Kind of like Saliva Havili, Josh Maguire, that sort of thing. Um, so he's not a genuine playmaker at hooker. If you, he's a good defender okay. and he can pass the ball off the deck. That's just what so, you're getting at him. Just, just say, because they're, they're a privately owned club too, right? I think they've got mm-hmm. a group of owners. The coach comes in and you say, what do you reckon about the team this year? And, of course, you can say, I think we're, we're going in the right direction. We're okay. Who's going to be the hooker? And he's like, oh, fuck. I forgot to sign a hooker. That's, that's what's happened. You're fired, Justin. You're fired. It, it's worth noting, too, that uh, Cruz Leeming isn't English, so there's hope for him. What is he? Don't he's say from, he's Welsh. No, he's from Swaziland. Really? Yeah. That's different. Yeah. Do they have a rugby league team? No. Wow. He's the he's the greatest player in the history of Swaziland rugby league. He he's their Hazamel Masri. <laughs> maybe maybe we can... I, mean, I was going to say he's their Dally Messenger. <laughs> he's their Dally Messenger. He's their ah uh, uh, he's their Sean Rutkison. <laughs> <laughs> you had to do it. I got there. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm so uh, this is why this is why I love doing the podcast with you because I can make the most obscure references like that and you fucking get it immediately. <laughs> oh, fucking fuck, yeah. As soon as I forgot that bloke's name, you bring it back up again. <laughs> <laughs> How come I can remember his name, but I can't remember the Cowboys' full work name? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh shit. That, that is good. That is good. Um. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, Cruz Leaming, mate. Spazilin's greatest ever player. Um, and he's not British. Well, that's a plus. That's a plus. 
Yeah. He has he has played for England, but that might have been out of pity. <laughs> was... The people of Swaziland have said it's okay for me to help you out, England. Yeah. And so I will. Just once. And so he did. Do you reckon you could point to Swaziland on the map? I'd I know it's in Africa somewhere. I feel like like I'm I'm very good with geography. Yep. I feel like it's maybe it's like just north of South Africa. It's just north of South Africa. Well, well <laughs> and it's just South Africa Mediterranean. <laughs> That's a safe bet. Like saying, oh, I reckon that place you talk about in Australia is just north of Tasmania. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, it's between the Indian Ocean and the South Atlantic Ocean. Um, no, I just I think it's I feel like it's on the border of South Africa. Okay. Well, now I feel like I've got to go to Google Maps and get the correct location for you. Yeah, fact check. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, you're not far off. Okay. Am I? It's, no, it's, it's right next to South Africa, yeah. There you go. I called it. Yeah. It's uh, not far from Johannesburg. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I've got I've got connections to the African content as you, continent as you know, the African content as well. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll leave that. Yeah, move on. Um, who's who's next? Who's next? <laughs> next is the Roosters. Um, their defense has not been so bad. Their attack though has been pedestrian. Mm. They've been struggling to score points. Um, yeah, they they started with a loss to the Dolphins. They had hard four wins against the Warriors and South, and even Parramatta, and then lost by twenty to Melbourne and ten to the Sharks. And the Sharks, for the most part of that game, um, were dominating. Just, that game sort of made you go, okay, I think maybe the Roosters forwards. Uh, kind of done, and I don't. Know, I come out of watching that game against the Sharks. They uh, what was it on Friday? Thinking Victor Radley has to be the most overrated player we've had in the NRL since Brayton Uster. Prove mm-hmm. me wrong. Okay, so I called him the most Gold Coast Titans player I've ever seen in my life. Right? It sounds um, like you're agreeing with me already. <laughs> you can go and play alongside Kieran Foran. Um, it, it, yeah, I I agree. He look when he came into first grade, there were some good things about him. He played with a reckless abandon, which was good, um, but it wasn't getting him in trouble at the time. He was also young enough that he was bouncing out of tackles. Well, now he's starting to get injured. And between getting injured and then getting sent off in every game, it's you just become a liability. And I think that he was a very specific type of player for a very specific moment. And that moment is now past. He he's not a full time forward. He's he's not a big dude. He plays much bigger than he is, but he's not a big dude. Oh, yeah. You can, the, you can make a team out of players who played above their weight. It'd be yeah. captained by Liam Fulton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and But just over the course of the season, between that and, you know, the penalties he gives away, it's just you can't do it. 
You can't have them in your team. The ill discipline is killing. It's killing the the roosters. Yeah, but well, not only that. I mean, they're halves, and we talked about this. Like Walker, and he's only young. He's still learning, but he's ta- he hasn't taken a step forward. He's taken a bit of a step back. Where you think of an Ilias, Ilias has taken probably three steps forward. Uh, Walker hasn't, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I I look at the Roosters pack and they. Like as an opposition fan, they don't worry me for a second. You know, when when Jared Warrior Hargraves, who is a veteran player at this point, when it is such a big difference when he's on and off the field for that team, that says a lot. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, man. I don't know what they're gonna do because they do need a forwards overhaul, mm-hmm. and um. Matt Lodge should not be part of that because, you know, he's bullshit aside. He's also not that great a player. Yeah. Again, very sloppy hands, ill-disciplined. And I think even at times, players who who can handle themselves in opposition sides will wind him up just because they know it gets under his skin. And when he gets pissed off, he he fucks up. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what's happened with uh, Nathan Brown at Parramatta. Yeah, it's you weird. The odd, how the, you get the other player will wind him up to give him the shits, and then he'll fuck up. Yeah, and and like, there's very. I feel as though there are players that are the real deal in that sort of thing. Yeah, and then there are players that they maybe had a moment, and everyone went ooh, and but they get found out real quickly because the fact of the matter is, if you're a forward in the NRL, you're a fucking tough guy, you know, yeah, and. Right. So, you know, some idiot running around trying to throw, you know, throw their arm around and stuff like that, which some of these players do. It just doesn't impress these other dudes who are like, you imagine what Moses Leota thinks when somebody (laughs) tries to be a tough guy around him. Like, (laughs) I think he might be the Terminator, that guy. Like, all he does is take lives. Um. So that's what he's paid to do. Yeah, he just takes. I mean, you should call him the, the bounty hunter. Look at the grand final last year. He just decided to take everyone's soul out of their chest, and so we you get someone like a Nathan Brown who it's like, oh, the enforcer. These guys don't give a fuck, you know. <laughs> unless you're a, unless you're that real dude, you know. Unless you are the Leota, and when you get out of bed, you're. You're already a fucking tough dude. You don't have to look in the mirror and go, oh, Nathan Brown, I'm a tough dude. I'm going to go after Nathan Cleary. Like, fuck it. <laughs> exactly right. Um, Who were we talking about? Someone in the Roosters. Yeah. Victor Radley. Oh, yeah, Victor Radley and uh, Matt Lodge. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Matt Lodge worries anyone in the NRL. No, no, no. He's, he's just a cranky version of Aaron Woods. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> Am I wrong? You're so right. That's why I'm laughing. You're so right. Um, now we're into the top eight. The Dolphins started the season on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's been pissing on the fire, though. They've, they've had three wins to start with, and now they've had three losses from their last four games. Um, yeah, I, I'm still not sure on them. Like, they, they should still be... I wouldn't be surprised if they stay in the top eight for the majority of the season. 
Mm-hmm. And that's because they've got a they've got a lineup that suits what Wayne Bennett wants, and that is forwards forwards are strong. Yep. They make good meters through the middle, and they've got a reasonable kicking game. They're they're the three things that Wayne Bennett always works from. And if you find some sort of X factor players to go around that, um, even better. We can work up we can work them into it somehow. But he never works the player around the X factor. The X factor player has to work around the the skeleton that Bennett's put there. Yeah. Um, which is why. I don't think we'll be seeing Anthony Milford playing very much football at all ever again. Yeah, I I think I think we summed them up really good in our preseason thing where we said they'd be they'd be solid, they'd be better than most people expect, but as injuries hit them, it's you're going to see that there's a little bit of a, a problem with their depth, and I think that we're seeing that. And they've had some key injuries too, unfortunately. So. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that we'll see them, like, they'll hover around this eighth place, but I feel as though as we get towards the end of the season, they'll just have fallen off of it just enough. Yeah, especially when they've got teams like um, the Roosters, um, Parramatta, Cowboys, who, you know, they were all finalists last year, and they're down below them on the ladder at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a good chance that those sides, can improve and they'll, they'll start moving up the ladder and putting pressure on the Dolphins. That's when we'll see how how they handle it. Um, seventh on the ladder, Melbourne Storm. They're weird. I, earlier in the year, I was like, I think we might have to worry about the Storm. And then they've had other performances where I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't like what I'm seeing here. This Storm team looks good. And they're, they're just a bit all over the place, but on a Melbourne Storm level of being all over the place, which is normally pretty good, you know. Yeah, manageable. Yeah. Um, Mind you, that game against Manly that they played on, on Friday night, that's, that's as ill-disciplined as I've seen a Storm team in a long time. Yeah, that was a rough one. That was a rough um, one. They were sloppy. Their attack just had no cohesion whatsoever. They looked atrocious. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see who they target in the player market this year because I, I, they're definitely, I mean, they were gutted last year in terms of yeah. players that left the club. Absolutely gutted. No one's fucking talking about it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who they look at getting going forward. Does Craig Bellamy stick around? And part of me feels as though Craig Bellamy, for all the for all the stuff about oh, it's a, there'll be a different, there'll be changing of the guard and all that. I bet nothing gets his juices flowing more than thinking of forming a new side with you know different players, bringing them in, teaching them them the game. So I wouldn't be shocked if he was still there coaching in fucking eight years from now. But um. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they transition into that because this feels like they're probably four or five players down on where they would want to be normally. If they had, to, and look, you can see that by the players they lost to free agency. Yeah, I know. I think, um, yeah, I think they'll be going out looking for forwards. That's that's what they've struggled with an awful lot. And you're you're right about Bellamy. He's he's not the sort of coach like, say, Tim Sheens, who will get everything he can out of a team and then just go, 
oh, well, that's my job done. Fuck you guys. And leave when the, you know, the guy who's been the, the heart and soul of the club decides to retire. I'm done. I'm out. You can yeah. solve it from here on in. Yeah. Bellamy's the sort of guy that will go, I've got to make sure that I leave the team in a better condition than when I started here. Yeah. And he, it weren't bad when he started there, but I mean, look what he's fucking done. It's crazy. And he's done it through, like, for that team. What, three or four different eras of that team, you know? Yeah. Hang on, no, Um, in our earlier, just one. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Um, I was actually looking at the other day when they were playing, and I'm I'm watching Hughes play, and I'm like, he took took an all right fullback and turned him into a really solid halfback who's now a very experienced, really solid halfback. Yeah. It's very cool under pressure. And and that's coaching. And, and I think that I, I get where Wayne Bennett's at, where for the, for he got to a point where he's like, look, I'm going to come in and try and be a finisher in these clubs. I get that. Yeah. He's, he earned that right. Uh, but I think that for a Craig Bellamy, he feels like he's a, he's a coach, you know, <laughs> I think that's why he's never coached. He he was not really interested in coaching New South Wales or Australia because it's like that's not real coaching. That's something different. He he likes the process. He likes getting them in when, you know, know, they're a a big lump of clay and what are you going to turn them into, you know? Yeah. No, the thing. And he's got the biggest challenge of all, and that is he, he barely has a junior base to work from. Yeah. He's in a he's in a market where majority of people just don't care about rugby league, and he's built this absolute dynasty. It's phenomenal. Some of the greatest players have ever played the game. Several of them, all at the same time. Um, picked him up because the Broncos didn't see him. Just crazy. Mm, all of them boat owners too. Uh, yeah, and jet ski owners. <laughs> A few houses, a few garages, some barbecues. They have they they about, I wonder how many of them still have their three D TVs. Remember when they were all getting flogged? Remember when we had the State of Origin series where it's like fr- everyone get a three D TV? We're shut we're we're filming all this in three D. Disappeared. Never happened again. Yeah. What a what a weird fucking phase that was. That was weird. <laughs> now no content's made for three D TVs. All these people have got these TVs just sitting in the garage. You go, Dad, what's that over there? You go, oh, that's my new paperweight. You go, it's a bit big. You go, well, you know, I got caught up in this weird craze in the <laughs> 2010s. I don't feel like, good about it. Like, what's that in the corner? Well, son, that's TV. Why don't you use it? Well, it's like that vaccine you got a few years ago. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <laughs> oh, shit. Isn't it nice that we can make jokes about stuff like that now and not worry that the fucking Gestapo is going to slam the door in and drag us away? Oh, they probably, they probably will. Uh, they'll find a reason. They will. They will. Um, who, who have we got next? Uh, the Sharks are next. Oh, they've just had a, a win yesterday, I think. So they probably moved up. Oh, no, they'll be where they are. 
started the season a little bit slow mm-hmm. um, and have struggled to put strong back-to-back performances together. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that was due to the fact that Hines was missing for a few weeks. Um, they've had a few injuries, so they've constantly been changing their their style of play to suit the players they've been bringing in and the ones they've lost. So that's not they're not very cohesive at the moment. I think the the win against the Roosters was more of what they're capable of, um, as well as the win they had against the Dragons three weeks ago in round four, and they put 40 on them. Mm-hmm. Those two performances, more than anything else, are more indicative of what the Shark side's like. Very solid defensively and will have no issue taking the game away from their opponents in the second half. That's what they were doing a lot of last year mm-hmm. and what got them into the finals. Um, and that's basically what Nico Hines is good at. Is He spends the first half sort of probing and, and looking at how the opposition defense responds to certain things. Mm-hmm. And then it's like he reassesses at halftime and goes, right, this is how we're going to score points. And then he comes out and goes, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I love watching the way he works. Yeah, he's, he's such a good player. Um, it was put to me today by somebody that I was chatting with about they said that they would rather have him in the halves for New South Wales than Nathan Cleary. And it made me think, like, maybe having him and Nathan Cleary as your halves is I the way to go. I think that would be better. I'd, yeah. I'd rather – because I think Hines is capable of playing six. Yeah. Um, and he'd be a bloody handy um, six over alongside Cleary. Yeah, yeah. That's scary. Yeah, that that got my brain ticking when they they were talking about that. So Hines and Cleary scare would be, I think, more of a threat to the the Queensland side than Luai and Cleary. Yeah, and like, and we both feel the same way about Luai after the World Cup. Oh yeah, he's a different like, player now, and yeah. for all the right reasons. Yeah, and, and and if anything, it's probably Panther system that's hurts his attack, but. Yeah, it's um, that got me thinking. That got me thinking. Anyway, yeah, um, I really do enjoy the way the Sharks play the game too. Um, it's a good mix of um, powerful running from the forwards, good defence, and some flair out wide. Mulatalo for a big guy can get airborne and, and score tries. Um, freakish as hell. Um, I'm one of the few people who've got massive fucking wraps on Blake Braley. I love what he does at hooker. Um, I can see there's a lot of potential in the attacking game he's got. I, mm-hmm. I see some similarities between him and Reed Mahoney there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's only going to get better there. I, I really like what he does there. The thing um, I like about the Sharks wingers is that they're tall guys, but they yeah. actually catch the ball. Yeah. There's so many. I was talking about this on Twitter today, how many tall guys there are and see the commentators going, oh, he's going up for the ball, and they all just fly past it or they knock it on and stuff, and it's like you've you got to catch it, yeah. you know, and, and the Sharks actually do catch it. like, And I see it a lot because the Panthers' wingers are short, shorter compared to a lot of these guys, and so there's a lot of this stuff of like, oh, they're really going to target Toto. They're really going to target him. And he all he does is he just catches the ball. That's all. Yeah, he's do, he's, he doesn't have much of a leap on him, but he does. He just catches the ball, and then, and then you've got to stop him. Yeah, that's, but that's why he doesn't get targeted that heavily because he's going to catch it, and then you've got to stop him. And it's hard enough for props and second rows to tackle two. What chances a winger got? Seriously. Yeah. Exactly. 
So it's, they don't target that's, that the, that's the one thing I like about the shark swing is, is that they actually are those guys. They are the tall guys that do catch the ball. Yeah. It's it's really cool when you've got those weapons. Oh, they really do. Um, and they've got the what, third best attack in the comp. The second best attack in the comp belongs to the next team, and that's South Sydney. Souths, I, I still feel as though Souths are the big threat. Yeah, well, they've scored 86 points in their last two games. Mm. And that's the thing. They can score lots of points, lots of points, um, and not let you back into the game. They've only considered 20 points or more once this year, and that was when the Roosters beat them 20 to 18 in round three. That sort of consistent defence, that's what gets you into grand finals. And that that's why I still see them as being the big the big threat and the big contender. Yeah, and uh, like I think Ilias is a different player this year and he looks like a young bloke that could lead a team to a premiership win, you know. Yep. Um, they feel like they're more of a threat this year to me than they were last year. Last year they felt like they had a few problems that they kind of played around this year. They feel like a a much more cohesive footy team. Um, yeah, you know, Cook is playing better because of that. I think their forwards are a little bit better than they were last year. Oh, yeah, and Cook's a playing a lot straighter. Been, sorry, what was that? I was saying Cook's playing a lot straighter, which has helped the forwards out a lot. Yeah, and, and I think the forwards, a lot of the forwards have just developed um, as well. So... I, I really like the look of them, and the the, the big thing it's Latrell Mitchell. If he stays on the field, they're going to be in it. You know, yeah. if, if he doesn't, it's they fall back such a, a way, and yeah. not a huge way, but it's enough for the, them to, you know, maybe not win a grand final if he's not there. So um, that's the big thing. Cody Walker's playing pretty well. He's still getting too revved up at times in the game, but. <laughs> It's he is who he is now. Um, they just got to deal with that. He, so. he's, he's doing so much better too now that Ilias is, uh, yeah, Ilias has picked up the ball and he's now controlling the team, takes that yeah. pressure off Walker. And yeah. Cook's playing straighter, which means the forwards are moving forward, giving Walker a lot of time and a lot of room to move. Um, so it's made him threatening again, which is bloody phenomenal to see. It really but, is. It's so much fun to watch play footy. Oh, that, that south side is great to watch. Um, next is Manly. Um, they've climbed up the ladder a bit because they've had a, I mean, they started with two good wins. They've had a buy, um, a one point loss to South. They got smacked by Penrith and then they beat Melbourne in a very impressive display this week. Um, Tom Trevojevic has barely featured at all in any of their success. The big reason for a lot of what they're doing at the moment success Boys, it's just DCE. Um, their forwards are doing great work. Lachlan Croker has been playing really well too at hooker um, mm. and getting better at game management. You like he's he's really improved really quickly, um, and you know, Manly's now undefeated ever since Aaron Woods joined the club. <laughs> he's the X factor. He's the X factor. I mean, how can, how wrong can you go when you've got? Three former Tigers players in your forward pack. What could go wrong? Actually, no, it's, yeah, it's four. Three. Three? Because we've got Alawai, Woods, and Kamatuolangi. Okay. Did yeah. you see my tweet about Jake Trebojevic? 
No. Okay, so before kickoff, right? Because mm. I'm watching that game. And I'm watching it in the kickoff, and he's just waiting for the ball to get kicked off. And I said, he always looks like a guy who's watching his brand new car float down the river in floodwaters. He just always has that look of like, fuck. (laughs) You watch. Next time you see him. And I love him as a player, but he just has a look like that all the time. Just constant disbelief. Yeah, just like the... Fuck, man. Fuck. I'm not even super angry. Just like, ah, the universe has done this to me. I still live in Manly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just on brother Tom. You know, the thing that gets me about him is when he plays Penrith, they shut him down. Yeah. And they do it through kicking game and just having a, a good defensive line. And... I feel as though Tom Trebojevic, like you think about him, his best games, has he's not been at fullback in state of origin. He's been in the centres. He's been fantastic in the centres. But for Manly, his best games are not normally against the best teams. No. Like um, he, he hasn't got a he hasn't got a finals resume. No, he, he relies very heavily on. I mean. A lot of fullbacks do. They capitalise. The good ones will capitalise on shit teams being shit. Um, you know, that's how Gutherson gets by. But Chumbervoich is far better than Gutherson. There's no doubt about it. So oh, yes, he's, he's, yeah. not rel- he's not relying solely on shit teams. Just no. any team that's not aware of how dangerous Tom is. Teams are getting better at it. But the thing that's changed is that Tom's starting to realise that, hey, they're not going to kick it to me all the time. So he goes looking for the ball in ways that most fullbacks don't. So a classic one is if Manley's like 10, minutes, 10 metres from the uh, the, defense, the attacking line, uh, so the, the opposition's line, 10 metres out, he will take a fucking crash ball play. Mm, yeah. That's for the props. He'll do it. And he won't put on a fucking step before the line. He'll just fucking barge at the line and go over. And people think that because he's running up like that, no fullback's going to take a crash ball run. So they don't target him defensively. And he always gets one-on-one and gets over because he's he's not small either. Yeah. And it still works. <laughs> it just catches people off guard. It's a simple thing like that. Yeah. Um, there's other things he can do as well, but I don't see too many fullbacks taking crash ball runs close to the line. No, it's, no, it's just ridiculous. Like I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad player because he's, he's clearly not. He's a, he's a very good player. But it's, I just find it interesting that, for as good of a player as he is, like, you can't. And we've seen him do it against the world's best in Origin. Like we've seen him carve up in Origin. But he has, he doesn't really have one single finals moment. You know, it's a, it's just very strange. That's right, and look. You're right, too, about his performance against weaker teams. I mean, he scored nine tries in nine games against the Raiders, 13 tries in 10 games against the Bulldogs, nine in seven games against the Titans, nine tries in eight games against the Warriors. And then you look at, um, what's a good one here, two tries in 11 games against Melbourne, Mm. Uh, two tries in 10 games against the Tigers. (laughs) <laughs> How dare you? Fuck you. <laughs> That's the only anomaly there. You, 
the person that started talking about people getting their hands on stats. How dare you? <laughs> oh, I had to. The setup was lovely too. <laughs> it, I bet he just gets bored against the Tigers. <laughs> he does. He's in there going, uh, just, it's more the fact that everyone else is scoring points so easily. It's like, oh, I'm not needed again. I would be shocked if someone at the Tigers was like, listen, we take him out of the game, we kick it dead every single time. <laughs> just kick it straight to their wingers. Yeah. <laughs> and they score five tries each. Um, down to the top three, the Warriors, third. That's crazy, hey? Uh, didn't see this one coming whatsoever. No. Um, um, was willing had... to give them a free pass this year, hey? Yeah, but they've come out five wins, two losses after today. Mm. Beating the Cowboys twice already, beat the Bulldogs, beat the Sharks, um, and a win and loss against the Knights, uh, an eight-point loss to the Roosters. They have also, been pretty bloody consistent. Their defense has been sketchy at times. Yeah. They let the Sharks get out to a big lead early last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, two weeks ago. And There was something um, about that Sharks game, though, wasn't there? Like... You know what it reminded me a little bit of is the, I think it might have been the season that the Panthers won the premiership in 2003 where they started off poorly and then I think they they come in against maybe the Roosters or someone and they were just like, why not? Why can't we do this again? Like, why don't we just fucking go out and do it? Yeah. And they kind of did that in that second half. And you could see them, like, they were, after that game, they were celebrating. Yeah, the thing too is... They they really have simplified the way they play, mm-hmm. um, and it is off the back of good work being laid down by the forwards. And surprise, surprise, it's allowed Sean Johnson to have a little bit more time, which is he's not he's not a gun anymore. But giving any halfback a bit of time allows them to do whatever they need to do to get their forwards over for points, and that's exactly what he's been doing. He's he's still good enough to be able to know how to do that. Um, so he's been solid. Mm. which is helpful. And look, we both said he was done, like done, 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 you know. Mm. Um, and funnily enough, he's getting the job done this year. <laughs> yes, he, so he just continued to, to be right. That. Yeah. Continue to be right. Yeah. Um, they do, though, have a rough run coming up. So they've got Melbourne at Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Then they've got the Roosters, then they've got Penrith, then they've got the Bulldogs, and a bye, then they've got the Broncos. It's about to get tough, and those teams, for the most part, have got either freaks in attack mm-hmm. or insanely powerful guys up the front. Mm-hmm. And those are those are two big challenges for the Warriors that they haven't really dealt with a great deal of thus far this season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that and whether they come back to the field a little, little bit. Yeah. At the same time, though, uh, now a lot of those teams will be will be looking at the Warriors and saying, yeah, we've got to be up for this one. Otherwise, we're going to get embarrassed. So yeah. it's, it's man, it's such a good season. It is. At number two, we've got Penrith. And look, the one thing I'm going to point out here is that Every team in the competition has conceded at least 114 points so far already. Penrith have conceded 79. Yeah, and it's 
That's a whack. That's the thing is, and as we're getting further into the season, it, it's that is starting to grow, and it's a number that is starting to become very, very hard to ignore. Um, I think the other thing is that it like you look at that that game that they've just won against the the Newcastle Knights in Golden Point. They played terribly. Like so that's the worst I've seen Penrith play in, in a long time. And yet you always felt like if they just get it together for a bit, they'll sort it. And that's kind of what happened. Um, and I, I've always liked when Penrith get tested like that because they're still a young, it's weird to say it, they're still a pretty young team. That They get something out of, of games like that where, you know, when you can go through a game where you're playing like crap and the opposition comes out and they're breathing fire like the Knights were and you still can eke out the win at the end and be like, well, we played like pretty poorly, but we still got the golden point win onto next week. Yeah. Something you get out of that. And, um, but yeah, the, the defensive number is the thing that, that has got me for all of their problems that they have with their attack. I, I think that their depth is fine. We've seen that they need a first grade hooker. That's a big, big problem for them. Um, but outside of that, that defensive number it's so hard to ignore because no one's do, no one's doing anything like that that's right and next week possible grand final preview because they play south oh really that is going to be uh, that's on thursday night too don't have to wait too long for that one mm. a cracking game that you can watch that game and go well i've seen as much perfection as I'm going to see in rugby league this week, I don't need to watch the other seven games. <laughs> <laughs> when do you like your team? Like, do you mind Thursday night game? I, I guess when was the last time that West Tigers played? Nah, I like it when my team plays, thinking of my work roster now. Um, before six o'clock. Before yeah. six o'clock. <laughs> because I'm at work, I don't get to see him. <laughs> I can see where some people don't like them Thursday night games because it's like when the the weekend gets here, team played two days ago. So, um, it's stupid. I mean, most people though have been brought up even in the modern, you know, even in the you know real era, you know, <laughs> where most of nearly all the games have been played on the weekend. So you you look forward to the weekend so you can get involved in the footy. If your team played two days ago, when the weekend comes and you're going. Yeah, let's go. Oh, what are we gonna do? Watch some other team play footy. I think it's. I think it works better. Like if your team wins on Thursday, at, at least you can sort of say like, oh, yeah, I can watch the footy and know that all of these teams are chasing my team's two points that we got the, already in the yeah. bag. Whereas if you lose, you're like, oh, fuck. got to wait like ten more days until I see my team play again. Sure, that was the one thing I used to hate about. Monday night footy because the the Tigers used to get like lots of games on Mondays, mm-hmm. and you get to the Monday night and then they play like shit and you're going, I waited all fucking weekend <laughs> and all Monday to watch this bullshit. That's a good point, actually. Like you know those Sunday evening games, yeah. I, I, I and I don't think Penrith have had too many of them just off the top of my head because. Uh, it'd be a long time to wait to watch your team and watch everyone else play, and then you, you know, Sunday night. I feel like that's a bulldog slot for some reason. <laughs> it does feel like it. How's about we just play every game at five pm on Saturday? Yeah, 
I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not. We shouldn't be playing on Sundays either because that's the Lord's day. That's right. Um, is is the Lord just happened to be playing? You know, lock forward for the Dragons. <laughs> um, if you ask a journalist. <laughs> um, and finally, we've got the Broncos at the top of the ladder. Who would have seen that coming? They look awesome, hey? Um, they do. Reese Walsh playing... has been killing it. Yeah, fuck, he looks good. His passing game this year, too, is so, so much improved, and it wasn't bad to start with. Yeah. He, there was one tonight where the trial was disallowed because the, the, his winger went into touch, mm-hmm. but he threw a cutout ball, even though he could see the defender had come up out of line and was about to completely fucking crush him. Mm-hmm. And he still got that pass out and put it on a dime. I went, that is some skill. Yeah, no, like I remember coming into the season, I was worried. I was worried because it's a lot of pressure, that fullback spot for the Broncos. And like they're the kings up there. All the media all week is about Broncos, Broncos, Broncos. And I, I, I don't know. I just felt like it. there was the possibility that it could all just not quite work out for him, which we've seen it happen so many times for dudes in the same position. And thankfully, none of those worries I had have like come into it. He's been fantastic from game one. Um, the Broncos forwards have been great. Their outside backs have been great. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching them play this year. Adam Reynolds has been just steering them around. I love that Kevin Walters, for all those fucking idiots that were... There were fucking idiots just a few weeks ago saying his job was on the line, hey? <laughs> like, what the hell? For what he has... He's done a miracle at that club. Yeah. Look at where they come from and how quickly they got to the top of the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got another hot take for you. Go on. It's the last one, I promise. Okay. So anyway. Ever? Not ever. Because I know you love him so much. <laughs> Reese Walsh? Better than Caelan Ponga. Oh, 100%. That's not a hot take. Oh, I think he is. I think a lot of people have got this. They've still got massive hard-ons for Ponga. I think Ponga is average, run-of-the-mill. Yeah, you rate him less than I do. Yeah. Um, I, I, like... I just think, I don't know. I, I don't think he's modified his game anywhere near enough to be getting all of the praise that he gets. Mm-hmm. He's made subtle changes. Mm-hmm. That's it. I, the thing that got me is when they made a big song and dance that he was going to Canada about his concussions. And it's like, his brain's still going to be the same thing in Canada. Like, you know, I, I, I like Callan Ponga. I think he's had poor coaching. Um, Oh no, that that much is abundantly clear. Yeah, and and I think he's been in a in a bits and pieces team, and and that's that's really hurt him because we've seen him perform at Origin and and been th- just thrown in there, just go out and play football, you know, like almost yeah. like a, a peachy, where yeah. you know you can say he's that skillful that you can say just go out, play footy, don't worry about position, and they'll they'll get something happening, but. Uh, it's been a while since Ponga has put together a game like that now. And between that and his concussions and just the fact he's not there out in the field, you know, 
Um, I tend to like footy players that are playing footy all the time. Yeah, I'm a bit the same. Yeah, it's weird. Like, um, I reckon he would have he'd he'd go really well if he was playing five eighth alongside DCE. Yeah, that would be interesting. So, Take all that pressure off him and just let him run. Um, that'd be amazing to see. But uh, no, the Broncos. The thing also about Reese Walsh that's been really great is he's been hanging around Payne Haas. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos are starting to use Haas a little bit the same way this year that the Panthers were using Kick-Out last year. Mm-hmm. And much, and I know that they're different in the sense that Haas is a prop, so he's going to be predominantly in the middle. And Kick-Out was always an, an edge forward. But every now and then you'd put Kick-Out just a little bit wider or you'd make him run a little bit straighter back in the middle. You'd take him out of that normal zone, that normal corridor he'd be in, mm-hmm. and make him run outside it. And they're doing that with Payne Haas now, but they're not making him do the whole let's run sideways like David Fafida does. Let's just make him run the same straight line, but just start it a little bit wider. Mm-hmm. And you see him, he's, he's a little bit wider of the ruck now, and every time he gets into a tackle, and he's able to get his nose through the line and get an arm free, He's looking around for Walsh because he knows he's around somewhere. And Walsh is just getting this habit of knowing which side of him to be on so that he can get seen and get an offload to him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what a what a combo that'll be. Like, and oh. it's just started. Yeah. It's just started. It, what's it going to be in five years' time if they're still on the same team? It's going to be amazing. Um, Pat Carrigan as well. Like, he, this dude that just comes out of being a junior and is just, he basically is just straight away an origin, super dependable leader on the field. Like every, he ticks so many boxes, you know, hard worker trying to improve his game. It's very, very lucky to have a player like him at the club. Um, and I think they know that too, which is yeah. cool. Um, there, there's a lot to like about this Broncos team. It's, and as I said, you know, Kevin Walters, you and me were both really worried when he got that job, worried that he was just going into a, I mean, first of all, he was going into basically the worst situation you could want to start an NRL coaching career, top grade career anyway, as the head yeah. coach, took over one of the worst defensive teams of all, to- all time, went through a lot of losses just trying to drag those terrible, terrible, terrible you know, coaching, the coaching shit that was put into them by Seabold. Yeah. And went through a lot of pressure and stuff, and now he's coming out of the other side of that. And I just am so happy for him. Like, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to see him happy, to see these Broncos players happy. It's great. It is, it is. I The Broncos have become a team that I, I really like watching too now. Um it's, it's I don't I don't just go around liking teams because um yeah they score a lot of points or they've got freakish attack. I like watching teams because they've got a good combination of that and defence because it means that all of their players are all working together and producing that result. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's I think at the moment we've got Penrith. Um, Obviously, Broncos and, and South yeah. are the three strongest informed teams. 
Yeah, and I think I think you could see the storm pulling something out, but it'd have to be the storm on their best day, uh, which has been different to what we've seen with the storm in the past, where it's like even on their worst day, they can still find a way to beat you. I don't think they're that team at the moment. But maybe on their best day, they could knock off one of those teams. Um, I, I think that if I had to pick a difference with with all of these teams at the moment, it really is that that defensive number for the Panthers. Is, it just stands out so much in a very, very, very close season. I, I, I can't remember a season this close where, like, I mean, Parramatta being so far down the ladder, and, and they're not a shit lineup, you know. No, that's right. It's um, it is good, especially when you know that there's teams out there that should be doing better, mm-hmm. and there's a few that are doing uh, yeah above what they what they're expected to do. Mm-hmm. There's a fair chance that those two those those two groups could switch around. But yeah, there's it, that moment in the middle when they're supposed to cross over, whether it actually happens or not, or whether because the thing is, you never get the same eight teams in the finals every year. Yeah, two or three drop out usually, so you've got to try and figure out which ones is staying in and which ones are dropping out, and what goes on from there. And that's the that's the exciting and interesting part. The one thing we yeah. do know, mm. the wood spoon's safe. The what? The wooden spoon is safe. E- yeah. <laughs> the- it was exact. That they just that shit so is locked down hard. Yeah. Oh, what price would that be for the wooden spoon? I bet that's just ridiculous odds for the wooden spoon. Hey? Parity. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even take your money because they're like they're just like, dude, we're a betting agency here. Come on, man. <laughs> we don't probably, bet on the sun coming up every morning. It's probably less than parity now. <laughs> For every dollar you put on the Tigers to win the wood spoon, we'll give you 90 cents back. But I tell you what, you you take the Tigers out of this NRL season, damn, it's close. It is real close with everyone. Um, the thing that gets me about looking at teams right now is that there are some teams that would have had pretty ho- pretty high hopes, not super high hopes, but pretty high hopes going into the season. They're like two or three losses away from being almost done. Yeah. That's scary. Like, you, if you're a Parramatta supporter, that's fucking scary. All right, well, look, I've got the wooden spoon odds. Okay. West Tigers, $1.50. Wow, that's pretty good, actually. It's also pretty short this mm-hmm. early in the season. Yeah, true. That's a good point. <laughs> Next is the Dragons at $8. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the Knights and Raiders at 14 Mm-hmm. Titans at 18, Cowboys at 19, Bulldogs and Dolphins 26, Parramatta 34, Warriors 36, Manly 61, and now we get to the rank outsiders. Cronulla 101, Roosters 176, Melbourne 201, Rabbitohs 251, Broncos 426, and the Panthers 501. Yeah, I guess if you're putting a, a bet on those last few teams, you're kind of hoping for a salary cap saga or something. That's the only way we're going to get it. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, when you think about it, 500 to one for a team, we'll, we'll go to the, go to the Broncos because they're leading the comp, right? What were yep. they, 450 to one? 
426. 426 to 1. If, if you look at it this way, if you go over the last, in the, the current era of rugby league, which is not the NRL era, it's the 10 metre era. <laughs> <laughs> the number of teams that have broken the salary cap to get, be able to get 400 and something dollars to one on a, a leading NRL team is pretty fucking good value. <laughs> it's not bad. Like it's, it's not like we haven't seen many teams break the cap. We've seen fucking every, basically everyone. What did we work out? There was like two teams that hadn't done it. Something like that. Like as yeah. in, as in severely done it. Every team's done it, but a lot of the ones that they've done have been, um, like minor indiscretions. Say, I think there was one the West Tigers got done for one year, which is a payment for. Uh, loyalty when they brought in loyalty payments. If you've been yeah. with a club from a junior club, yeah. Problem is the year that they went back to was, I th- I think what it did is it meant that Robbie Farrah didn't qualify for it, even though he's he'd been playing there for longer than when the the time thing was for. But some sort of weird thing like that. The Tigers thought, oh yeah, we'll be able to get it for Farrah. Yeah. And it was like I don't know, ten grand or something like that. They might have been over by. Yeah, and, I, I remember. You know, sorry, go on. I was gonna say, there's a lot of little weird things like that where it's it's this small indiscretion where it's not exactly a loophole, but it's more um, a misunderstanding, I guess, as a rule. It wasn't an intentional attempt to, to cheat, and you know, a lot of them are actually less than ten grand that they might have gone over by. It could be. Th- payments that they've made to reserve grade players to come and jump up a grade and they're getting match yeah. payments because of injury issues and stuff like that. Um, well, they've they've got like, say, a, a player that's out for the season and they bring up a young dude from reserve yeah. grade and he, he absolutely kills it for whatever reason, triggers off something in his contract where like all of a sudden they've got to pay him 100 grand more than they were expecting, you know. That's right. You get other players in there who are on a contract, but they also get bonuses for playing a set number of games every year. Mm. Um, There's there's little things like that, which can make it go over by small amounts. And so it's not really seen as being um, an attempt to legitimately cheat. I think we, I'm pretty sure we factored that in. I feel as though maybe it was the Gold Coast and Penrith. It was someone weird in Penrith. Yeah, I can't remember. It was one of our first episodes. Really? I think so, yeah. We did the thing on the salary cap. Far out. Issue of the salary cap, somewhere. I think so. I could be wrong. I know we've done an episode on it, though. Yeah, yeah. Because I was shocked that it was so, like, basically everyone had done it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it's been going on for quite a while because you see a lot of fans from clubs being like we're fucking over the salary cups like everyone's done it stop that yeah (laughs) yeah it's not something you can hold against the club anymore Mm. only the really bad stuff yeah now i mean now to be now that they're spending 12 million bucks for your top 30 like how much over the cap would you have to be before it would Go to that to go to a level of outrage where it's like you fuckheads. Yeah. Like say so say you're you're spending thirteen million bucks on the cap. That's that's a whack, but you know it's thirteen million compared to twelve. 
I feel as though you'd have to be spending fifteen million, something like that. Yeah, it'd be something pretty nasty. Yeah, and I feel as though that would that would stand the fuck out in your books, even if you've got a second set of books. Like yeah. someone would say, "Hang on, there's I feel like there's five million bucks that's missing here somewhere." You spent five million bucks on shampoo and the rugs every month. What? <laughs> How many rugs have you got? <laughs> Just the one. How much shampoo have you got? Just oh, the three million bottles. See, the thing that the Panthers did right, okay, so, and this is the difference between the top clubs and the bottom bottom of the table clubs. So in the game against the Newcastle Knights, there was a very crucial penalty when uh, Luai got grabbed by his hair. It was a hair pull. It was a penalty. And after the game, Adam O'Brien was whinging about, like, oh, it was a hair pull. I gave a penalty because he grabbed him by the hair, which is a new penalty, but it is a penalty. And I, I said on Twitter, like, it's one of those weird things where it doesn't feel like it's worth a penalty, but I've, you kind of do have to reset the game situation somehow. Um, so Penrith, this is the big secret of Penrith's success. They grow their hair long, okay? So you can't grab them by the hair. What does the worst team in the club do? Makes a centre of excellence with a barbershop in it. <laughs> Just saying. you gotta, you got to cross every fucking I and dot every T. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. They're a mess. Wouldn't it be cool, though, if the next time the Panthers play um, Newcastle, Jerome Luai shaves his head? <laughs> Actually, no, not even shaves his head. just comes out with a swimming cap on. <laughs> that would be great. That would be fucking great. Oh. They should all. They should also. This is the other thing too. Paul Kent is still going on about the attitude of Penrith players. Is he really? Yeah. Wow, that's so weird. It's I mean, well, it's, they are it, living rent free in his head. It is a poison brand. <laughs> Not like fucking News Limited. <laughs> oh, it, it's it's got me, man. It's very strange. It's, yeah, when when the Panthers do something wrong, I'll fucking call them out on it. No one liked Tyrone May playing for the Panthers in the Panthers supporter group. But damn, a lot of these young and look, Jerome Law was just silly. <laughs> he gave the worst best man speech ever. But outside of that, what's he done? You know, if the worst oh. thing you can chuck at the Panthers top players is like, oh, you did a fucking TikTok. It's yeah. we're living yeah. a pretty charmed life. A wedding speech and a dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking calm down. Seriously. Oh, man. Well, that's been pretty thorough. Yeah, it's been good. A nice discussion about every team in the National Rugby League. Absolutely. All the ones that mattered and mm-hmm. the one that doesn't. <laughs> All the relevant ones <laughs> and that one too. And that one too. Um <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. Um, check us out on there. Like us, subscribe us, share us around. That would be sweet. Uh, make sure you leave us a comment. I mean, God, no one does that anymore. Do, do we not have keyboards anymore? 
Uh, these people, these fucking people that listen to us, they won't even leave a comment. I shouldn't say that because then I'll go on and leave really terrible comments. Leave a comment that's like really nice. Yeah. You know, all the comments we're going to get now is, why won't you do any more West Tiger stuff? <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> oh, shit. Not enough West Tigers talk. Tune in for the Tigers, hate. There was none there. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, we're just showing that we can evolve and do more than just shitting on the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, leave us a comment. That'd be lovely. And we'll read them out. Um, that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back sooner than we've been lately. We've been yeah. stretching them out a bit. Yeah, we're going to start pumping them out more regularly now. That's right. And we'll do some more podcasts too. Well, yeah. Yeah, we'll find time for that. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.